I'm going to pick that man up. Both feet off the ground. I bet, I bet, you know what? I think it's more that you don't like to be picked up. Not that you don't think I can. No, it's that like, I know you can, but I've been picked up by enough people to know how it ends. It ends with me nursing an <laughs> injured back. <laughs> what if I cradled your back? What if I carried you? That, no, the question is not, can you pick me up? It's, can you put me down gently? That's the problem. It's like, the fall did, The fall doesn't kill you. It's the, it's the stop at the end that kills you. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying this offense, and I'm playing better than I have been ever before. I am a Dark Horse Heisman candidate. <laughs> and I'm Justin. I'm here for the, the fun of it, along for the ride. I don't understand the reference, but I am tired. <laughs> oh, it's like a meme. It's a meme. Yeah, I assumed it was a meme. I just haven't seen the exact meme. I understood all the parts, just not all of them together. And that is the story of my life currently. That's where we are. So today is going to be one of those episodes where there are a lot of times where when we look back at the beach that is that episode, it's just Justin's footprints and then like smooth sand where my giant ass has been dragged behind him. But today, because Justin has a huge, uh, a huge, I would say, emotional and intellectual load that he's bearing from his real life job. Uh, as of right now, when we look back over the beach of this episode, I hope that it's just me. It's just my footprints six inches deep in the in the sand because I, it's I have my, carried him oh yes. fireman style. It's my tight little way. ass print just dragged across the sand. My my tight ass. Oh, homie, I was being nice because I don't think you can pick me up because I'm big. I know I can pick your ass up. You're a tiny Oh, I'm ready boy. to pick you up. I can drag you across the sand at the very least. Let's you could drag real. me across the sand. I was just saying, like, I'm, I'm not going to do that to your back, but like. All right, I'm going to fireman you know, carry you this weekend. It's going to happen. That That's the plan. I, We're going no. out in the backyard. Incorrect. And I'm Incorrect. picking you up. <laughs> this is not going to happen. No. We're going to take us no. outside. You know, earlier, earlier I invited you over to my house or something. Uh, and I think I'm seriously considering <laughs> rescinding the offer. If part of you coming to my house to watch the game is that we have to do some sort of like, oh, brothers get bra- like adult brothers break each other's arms kind of shenaniganery, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not. Well, in. the thing is, yeah, like I, I have nothing on the Lawrence sibling, uh, like roughhousing. Like I grew up with, yeah. with two other brothers, and we we roughhoused as as you know as siblings tend to do but we have nothing on the lawrence sibling like let's take our shirts off and beat each other's asses um thing that you guys have going on (laughs) it's just we don't beat each other's asses it's just belt fight you don't take your shirt off you take your belt off (laughs) and then you belt fight and you and you yell belt fight in your best like hair metal singer belt fight and then (laughs) and then sometimes if you have it's okay to shoot each other with bb guns but not arrows or real guns that's uh, fair. But sometimes That's if you get the bow out, you can sort of mess around and like shoot between someone's legs, you know. That's important. If you're a good stuff. shot. Yeah, that's important yeah. to do. There are so, rules. There, there are rules. Obviously, this is a football my, podcast and we're talking about the Auburn game coming up this the weekend. The day that I moved out of my dad, out of my family's childhood home with my dad, I had a BB embedded in my shin for most of the time because of my 
piece of shit brother. And I hope <laughs> but, he hears me say that. All right, let's talk let, about the let Auburn me, game. Let me just repeat that my family had nothing on the Lawrence family sibling uh, uh, jackassery. So yeah, yeah let's let, talk about Auburn's. Let's talk about the Deep South's oldest and weirdest rivalry. Uh, and I just want to start with this question from Irk Russell, longtime mm-hmm. listener, many time question answer asker, Irk Russell. Do you like riding in your truck, Justin? I do like riding in my truck. And I also believe that Auburn sucks. Amen. Amen, All everybody. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, subjectively, this, in terms of just a, some historical data for what's going on, you know, this is a, a very even rivalry. Uh, mm-hmm. UGA has had, you know, marginally more success on the whole as a program than Auburn. However, you know, currently um, in their 100 and something meetings, Georgia leads this series 61-8 to 56. That's pretty They're close. up five games on Auburn. This game was actually tied. I think in 2015 it was tied. And if you look at the wins and losses uh, in this series, it's really... It's really back and forth. UGA since, uh, I would say, about since 2005, Auburn's only won this game three times. Uh, They won it once in 2010. They won it once in 2013. And then they won it once in 2017. But other than that, that, uh, you know, since that year, 2005, and if you want to go back to 2000, they've only won, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times out of the 20 meetings since 2000. So this has been sort of a run of success for UGA coupled with some uh, sort of extraneous factors. You know, Auburn for a long time has been an incredibly high variance team, which is sort of a nice way of saying that (laughs) Auburn has its own sort of plane of existence and causal reality from other college football programs. And, you know, you just sort of flip a coin or roll a die. And if you hit a 20, you win a national title with a cornerback playing quarterback. And if you hit anything else, you go like six and six and go to the Outback Bowl. So uh, this is, you know, the Deep South's oldest uh, rivalry. And it has been going on since its first meeting in 1892 when Auburn beat uh, Georgia at in Atlanta, actually. I think they played at like Grant Park in Atlanta. I don't know. They played at some like random field in Atlanta the first time. Um, yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, there there isn't really a more historical rivalry that Georgia has. I mean, there are very few more historical rivalries than this one in the history of college football. And for it to be so even after all this time, I think both reflects how these two programs and universities in some ways are sort of dark mirrors of each other's. And also just the general commitment to college football throughout the lifetime of this rivalry from both of these programs. In many Mm -hmm. ways, uh, I think that there's sort of a sociological project to be done on the converging and diverging cultures of the two towns, Auburn and Athens, and how they started out as very similar and have sort of diverged culturally in their time um, as rivals, you know, and just the influence of Atlanta on both of these towns is a very interesting topic. But anyway, that's kind of outside of the <laughs> subject. Um, that's beside the point. So there, we do need to start with some, some other subjective pieces, I will say. some So something that you repeat quite often, I would I would call it probably the greatest CBC hot take there is. But I think that that this is the time that you should at least dive a little bit deeper on the subject of why, why is, why is it Nathan? Why is it that you think that Bo Nix, if he were a black man would play tight end, the tight end position instead of the quarterback hit us with the hot. Yeah. Well, so this is a thing I keep saying that I don't really mean, but basically for a long time and this has to, 
I don't want to give anybody credit for this, but this has, this has gotten better over the last few years, I know. But, you know, historically, quarterback has been a white guy's position. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of systemic factors. And I'm not accusing any individual coach because that's not how systemic factors work. There are a lot of systemic factors that have made it so that, generally speaking, white players get funneled into quarterbacks in, into certain positions and black players do not. And, I mean, you can look at the history of the black quarterback in the NFL and how, you know, the the recent relative preponderance of black quarterbacks in the NFL has been recent. Right. And so you have, Mm -hmm. you know, you have these guys, you know, Lamar Jackson sort of breaking barriers as a white, as a black quarterback, certainly not that, I mean, Michael Vick, you know, you have these guys who are like playing within our our lifetimes that are sort of like setting new benchmarks for what it is to be a black quarterback. Right. Because there had just been so few of them uh, before, uh, really Michael Vick. Uh, and so th- it's kind of a joke because it's just me shitting on Bo Nix, but it's kind of a thing where it's like, <laughs> I I think that it's not, I don't know. Every time I talk about stuff like this, I, and I end up getting a mean Facebook message about how I'm alienating half of my audience. So let me see if I can walk <laughs> carefully around this. I I'm believe not you. accusing it. Okay. The point is not whether any individual person is racist. The point is not whether mm-hmm. Bonix's coach is a racist. I don't know them. I think Mike Popo is probably not at all. He seems like a pretty cool guy. The point is that systemically, from top to bottom, from youth football to high school football to college football, we know that corner quarterbacks are way more likely to be white. And that mm-hmm. is not because the, mass, the vast majority of football players are white. Right? So the fact of the matter is that just from that one stat the disconnect between the number of white quarterbacks and the number of white players, right? The fact that that ratio is uneven means that there are black quarterbacks that are not being given the chances that white quarterbacks are, which ergo means that there are white quarterbacks who are getting chances they would not get if they were black. So I always make that joke as sort of a shorthand way to less make a comment about Bo Nix, but more to make a comment about how like, you know, UGA didn't get Cam Newton because they wanted him to play tight end. I don't think Mark Richt is racist, right? But I do think that UGA wasn't ready to recruit a quarterback that played a game like that. Now, Cam Newton didn't play the game the way he played it because he was black. But certainly, he didn't get chances at other places because of just his profile as a person. And I think race has a, race is a part of that, right? For a long time, it was sort of a cliche in the recruiting world that athletic black quarterbacks played safety or tight end in college, right? At the mm-hmm. high school level. And so really that comment is less about Bonix himself and more about just like how the lack of chances for black quarterbacks in general. Right. I mean, the fact of the matter is that like, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's really the perfect example of this phenomena, right? Lamar Jackson got, was lit the world on fire in college and then Mm. just got kind of pretty seriously criticized by a lot of people through the draft process who thought he couldn't play quarterback. And now he's an MVP candidate. And I think he mm-hmm. won the MVP a couple of years ago. I don't care. I don't care about the NFL, whatever. But the point <laughs> is that like, it, it's really a systemic thing, right? Like Bo Nix has never been a consistently good quarterback. Now, should he still be playing quarterback? Probably, right? Like he's probably better than the other options. And I'm not, you know, I'm not really making a real assertion when I say that. I'm just saying that like, if he were black, who even knows if he would have the chance to mess up as much as he had. And yeah, I know he had like a really good game against LSU, but he also got benched against Georgia State. So Take that with, yeah, whatever grains of salt you may have. I think I did a decent job. I don't I think you did a really good job. Me. 
I don't want anyone to accuse me of being political when I'm not being political. Like I'm not worried about this being isn't political, political, right? Or whatever. But that wasn't political. That's just like demographics, right? If you want to talk political anyway, politics, let's talk about T Splast. I'm on the T Splast committee right now. I'm ready to talk politics, baby. Yeah. You want to know about right, traffic so, infrastructure? <laughs> I got plenty for you. <laughs> yeah, I've got a man for you. Uh, so other pieces other subjective narratives going on um you know just to echo what you were saying bonix hasn't thrown a single touchdown against georgia in his entire career just want to drop that bomb on you uh other things happening uh people are trying to figure out why the hell auburn is just not doing the thing and uh a lot of people are talking about a lot of different uh injuries on this auburn squad and it takes pink bigsby has not been 100 percent uh jarquez hunter has been doing really well but i think the fact remains that i don't think jarko's hunter is going to do going to be able to do all of this on his own against a team that's only allowing you know like 70 ish rush yards every game so i don't know if that's going to work really but a lot of people have a lot of question marks for this auburn offense um in a different way than they do for this georgia offense and so you know we'll be we'll be curious um to see what's going on other other injury reports what's up a lot of people have a lot of questions about this georgia offense which you can get into later yeah for sure uh, I'd love to see some some stats on how we're where we're headed, and uh, how last week uh, is is indicative of of whatever it may be for this week uh, mm-hmm. when we get to the stats. Uh, because you know the injury report came out today, JT went from questionable to doubtful, uh, we, which means we're probably seeing Stetson again, as we can probably imagine. Tyke Smith is still questionable. Blaylock and uh, Arian Smith are also questionable. So looks like we're going to have a pretty similar team to what we did last week which i wonder what that means for our game schematically and so yeah i want to want to talk about that at some point what do you think uh well i mean in terms of the injuries i think that i think we'll probably see some tyke smith it seems like at this point the tyke smith thing is is a lot about familiarity Mm -hmm. and his just like his working his way into the rotation because there was no real, you know, I, Seth Emerson said this in an, in an article the other day, but there was never a guarantee that he was going to start if he didn't get injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, he definitely didn't get Wally pipped. Like, I think he certainly is going to play this year. But I do think the emergence of Latrevious Bernie means that it's going to be a higher bar for him to get back on the field, regardless of his injury status. Yeah. You know, in terms of the sort of relative footprints of the Arkansas versus Auburn, um, I think uh in terms of their the aesthetics of both of these teams are going to look very different they they schematically they run very different systems but i do think that you're right that they do have similar statistical footprints in some ways uh mm-hmm. and so i think thinking about auburn through the lens of arkansas is a very interesting um it's a very interesting thing now i do want to say one more subjective narrative thing mm-hmm. and and i'm trying to get this started among everyone who listen to me because i think it's funny <laughs> let's stoke that it's fire it's probably not it's probably not funny, but I'm I'm gonna just say it again because it is my wife and I's maybe my wife and I's favorite inside joke. Oh, is it the is Tank Bixby? <laughs> Tank Bixby, yeah. So when Tank Bixby has a good game, he's Tank Bixby. Mm-hmm. When he just has like an okay game, he's Jeep Mediumsby. And then when he has a bad game, he's cut. He's Sedan Smallsby. Sedan Smallsby. So Tank Bixby, yeah. T- so so far, he's been Tank Bixby when he hasn't been hurt, but when he's been hurt, he's been more like Sedan Smallsby. Some mm-hmm. I ho- I think he's probably going to have like a Jeep medium speed game against UGA's vaunted defense. Anyway, carrying on. And if he I'm... were super good, he might be he might be like Mecca Extreme Speed or Ooh. Mecca Large Speed. But I don't think he's ever you know that's like win the Heisman, win the win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's going on professionally, kind of doing his thing. I'm a bigger fan of like yeah. Coop 
Koopa Tiny's B? Tiny's BB? Can I do BB's B? Koop BB's B. Yeah, Koop. Coop Tiny's B, Coop Tiny's B is a good one. You could you could also do like uh, you could get real specific to the model and be like Geo Metro Tiny's B or like <laughs> uh, you know like what uh, Ford Nova Tiny's B or what what mm. was the one that the the like notorious oh Ford Pinto Tiny's B oh you know like yeah get really get if you really want to get nasty in it but so Jeep Smalls B or Jeep Mediums B Jeep Mediums sometimes B. it's Jeep. Yeah, that's his that's his medium, you know. You gotta upgrade and downgrade. Wow. What anyway, a ride this so, episode has already been. Yeah, I know. It's really good luck editing this shit. Um oh, anyway, tank Kia let's talk Soulsby. about some stats. <laughs> Kia Soulsby? God, that is God, our okay, Discord. Sorry. Our Discord coming through. Kia Soulsby. Incredible. Kia Soulsby okay. is added to the rotation. Kia Soulsby. I like that very much. Okay. Let's let's talk a little bit about advanced stats. Uh you've been talking a yeah. bit about CBCR squared. And do you mm-hmm. want to give just a quick reminder of what the heck that is? Because I think it's pretty interesting to look at this and know that Auburn is barely in the top 25% per CBCR squared. Okay. Well, I, I do want to start by saying it's CBCR squared beta. Mm-hmm. We're not mm-hmm. totally, we don't feel super great about our numbers right now. I would say we feel C plus Medi- about them. We had a really speed. good, we had a, de- we had a, we had a decent week last week straight up and a really bad week against the spread. So sorry, let me back up. CBCR squared is our attempt to make a holistic uh, forward-facing power rank metric. It uses SRS, which is Simple Rating System, which is a statistic that's been around for a long while, as long as several other advanced stats that we talk about on this show, such as EPA. It basically weighs those into an in-season model, which gets combined with a pre-season model, which has things like returning production and you know expected wins, and also includes stuff like ALS and ELS, which are strength of schedule ratings. So it's not necessarily a competitor to SP plus because it's not good. And also <laughs> we don't have millions of dollars in professional statisticians, but it was sort of our attempt to create something that was incredibly open source and that could accurately predict games against the spread and straight up. So I think we feel pretty good about where we have our uh, straight up picks. They have been doing okay. I think we are still kind of tinkering with our, point differential which is to say against the spread picks which were we had a really bad week last last week so yeah right now uh we have auburn at 28th in the nation per cbcr squared i think that might be a little low i think they're probably more like 20th but uh per our numbers we have them about 8.66 uh points above the average team our net points above the our average you know points above the average team scored we have georgia 33 points above the average team uh, so even with a home field advantage uh, adjustment, we still have this as about a 16-point game. That's way more bullish on Georgia than most advanced rating six systems are. However, it's not ridiculous. I think that uh, SP Plus has this about as a 12-point game, and FEI has this as about like a 10. So, I mean, 16 is not too far out of the realm of difference. But it's something that if you are interested in power metric rankings, if you're interested in sort of making predictions on games based on a more statistical, statistically backed, you know, set of factors. It's something that we, that we really are hoping to develop into, you know, something we can be proud of and as give to our community, both to our Discord patrons in a more detailed way, but to everyone in a very open source way so that we can talk about these advanced statistics that we all love. And I am helping to develop that with a few of our patrons, including, uh, let's see, R123 more and dog quant and then i think we just were joined today by steven uh i think joiner is his last name 
um, who just came into the fold today. And so I want to thank all of those guys, in, in particular Dog Quant on Twitter, who is one of our patrons who is an actual data scientist and has done, I'm going to say like conservatively 75% of the work, probably more like 85, 90. So he's done all of the heavy lifting on the number crunching and all that business. So right now per CBCR, we have this is about a 16 point game. To me, I'm not, A, you shouldn't bet on that number and you shouldn't bet on these numbers at all in, in any way. But I, I I don't feel quite that bullish on UGA at this point. Um, there are some other stats I would like to go to. Is there anything else that's standing out to you? You know, looking no, at baby, our statistical profiles stats. that we have. Hit me with so the stats. We have a couple of statistical profile uh, sort of graphics that we put out. We put out one uh, at, that was just Georgia's statistical profile footprint. And we also put a Georgia versus Auburn game breakdown out. So... One of the things that if you just look at our traditional footprint breakdown that we publish every week for the the two teams, one of the things that I think is interesting is that we're, we're talking about Auburn versus Arkansas. And in many ways, I think that there is some uh, congruence between there is some sort of parallel structure between the footprints of Arkansas and Georgia, Arkansas versus Georgia and Auburn versus Georgia. Because one of the things I said in my Arkansas preview was that if you look at these teams' advanced stats just on raw national rank that's unadjusted for opponent, it's one of those things where Arkansas has a good defense and a good offense, and UGA has a better defense and a better offense. Like in many ways, Arkansas was like just a smaller plot inside of the footprint of UGA statistical profile, right? Like just a smaller little baby version of UGA in many ways, right? Mm-hmm. Now that, that that's not really true schematically or personnel wise, but just in terms of the, like the numbers they put out. And in some ways, Auburn is just basically a slightly better than Arkansas version of Arkansas. Now, Auburn is a very different team than Arkansas in terms of, you know, player composition, uh, schematics, philosophy, et cetera. But just in terms of the numbers that they put out, you know, very good, Top 10, top 15, top 20 something defense, depending on who you ask, whether or not you adjust the the num- opponent numbers and a above average, you know, top 40 offense. Right. And those are the numbers that we see sort of all the way through. And so I think that thinking about, you know, especially in sort of an ex post facto manner, just thinking, reflecting back about this game after you watch it, it it's going to be interesting to see how does UGA handle these two opponents that are statistically profiled relatively similar. And the only difference being that one of them is away and one of them is at home and one of them is slightly better than the other. And so I think one of the things that will be really informative about like sort of how special a season that this can be is, is that like if, if UGA can do to Auburn what it did to Arkansas, I think that really tells us that none of the stuff that we've seen from UGA, especially defensively, has been a lie. Right. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of chatter out there this week about how UJ's defense is overinflated by not having played a good offense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think if you can take two teams that are sort of consensus top 20, top 15 teams when you play them and you can sort of deconstruct their game plan and execute your game plan both at home and away, I don't really think there are many questions about the profile and the potential of the team after that. So before we even get into like my predictions, I think this is going to be a really interesting measuring stick game because you know how like when you play a video game and you're playing like a series of bosses, right? It's like sometimes mm-hmm. the second boss will just be like the first boss, but with 20% more health and like three extra moves. Yeah. And even though Auburn and Arkansas are very different schematically in terms of their statistical footprint and the challenge that they present in terms of, you know, what they have put out there, what they've executed, like 
Auburn really is like just the stage two boss uh, of Arkansas, right? Auburn is mm-hmm. like the, the the first boss, but with a different skin and a gun instead of a knife or whatever. <laughs> like they they they're, they present a very similar similar challenge, you know, at the, the raw yeah. data level. This is the um, same dungeon. Num- yeah, numbers wise, Auburn. I mean, they've had a really good offense. They've had a or they've had a pretty good offense and a really good defense. Some of those numbers are sort of thrown off by. A, they played two very, very bad teams, Akron and Alabama State at the beginning of the year, and just destroyed both of them. And B, they had sort of a pretty aberrant game against Georgia State, wherein they played very, very poorly. Lord, um, Lord. I'm, I'm not going to go through uh, the entire uh, the entire stat breakdown here. You can look on our Twitter or join our Discord if you want to see even more detail. But mm-hmm. it just going on raw EPA ranks, Auburn is ni- the ninth-ranked EPA defense and the 19th-ranked offense. Um, Georgia is the 50th ranked offense and the first ranked defense. Now, if you adjust those numbers for uh, opponent wise, uh, what FEI and uh, SP plus would tell you is that uh, Georgia is the third ranked offense and the first ranked defense. Mm -hmm. And Auburn is the 26th ranked ranked offense and the 20th ranked defense. So SP plus has sort of a similar thing. Uh, SP plus has Georgia with the 13th office and the first defense. And then Auburn with the... SP Plus really doesn't like Auburn that much. Uh, they have Auburn at 18 with the 44th offense at the 15th defense. So regardless of like who you're looking to for your rankings, these these all sort of present a similar story, which is that Auburn's defense is ahead of its offense, and particularly their run defense is very good. They defend the run very well. They uh, probably have not really rushed the passer at the degree that you would want to from a team that is trying to have a top 10 defense. Uh, they're currently... In Havoc rank, they're 22nd, uh, but a lot of their Havoc is really clustered into those first two games when they had just like a bazillion sacks and interceptions, etc. Um, they are, you know, not really elite at anything on offense, statistically. Uh, they run the ball very well. They run the ball at a top 10 level, so I guess that's elite. But other than that, they're passing, you know, 70th pass EPA rank. Uh, in particular, one thing that stands out is that this is a team, this Auburn team is actually pretty bad at PPO on either side. PPO refers to points per opportunity, which is how many points on average do they score when they possess the ball within the 40th or within their opponent's 40 yard line. Auburn, so it's basically like finishing drives. How well do you finish a drive on offense and defense? They are the uh, PPO ranked team on offense. They are 34th, but on defense, they are 93rd. So this is a team that on defense, one of the interesting things that'll be, that I think we should all be looking at is this is not a team that has finished drives well on defense. This is a team that if you get into the red zone on them, they've given up a lot of points. Um, mm. So I think one of the key things for Georgia is like, if you want this to be not a close game, you got to do that. You got to score touchdowns when you're in the red zone, uh, which is sort of a dumb axiom because that's always true. But I think against this team in particular, um, you know, that's pretty much their profile, right? Above average defense or, you know, top 15 to 20 to 10 defense, top 40 to 30 offense. Um, they are really good against the run. They don't pass the, they don't rush the passer f- very well. And they're, you know, their defensive backfield is good, but not great. Uh, offensively, mm-hmm. they've got two really good running backs. They've got a quarterback who can run and they haven't really gotten a lot out of their wide receivers at all. They lead the SEC in drops this year. Um, and they have had to rely a lot on their tight ends, including Tyler Fromm, who's Jake Fromm's little brother, and their running backs in their passing game. Yeah. So that's that's sort of 
the footprint. I think that's sort of the lay of the land. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think, you know, subjectively how I match this up to sort of like what we're seeing and what we're thinking about going into this is that, you know, this is probably the best team at the moment that UGA has played since Clemson, right? This is mm-hmm. a team that, despite having some really dumb, bad moments on the field, looking at you, Georgia State game, you know, <laughs> this is a team that probably played Penn State enough, well, well enough to be in the game, right? To maybe win it, right? That was a coin flip game, ultimately. This is a team that, you know, look, LSU can't tackle, but you still beat LSU at, in Death Valley, which is not easy to do, right? So the, you got to give this team some credit for having some, you know, th- th- I think they're a legitimate top 20 team. Now, they have some holes, right? And their stats are pretty boosted by two wins against very bad teams and a close win against like a sort of bad team in Georgia State. So I don't really think that we fully know who they are. And I think if you are betting either literally or figuratively that UGA is going to blow Auburn out, what you're really betting on is that their statistical profile and their production to this point in the year has been unduly influenced by those first two games, right? And that really they're more of the team that we saw against Georgia State than the team we saw against LSU. So- Man. I want to loop back around for a second. And uh, you were talking about FEI rankings and everything. And, and I, I went back and I found there's an article actually uh, from Football Outsiders uh, from Brian Freemail that was talking about comparing this defense, this Georgia defense to the 2011 Alabama defense, just for more mm-hmm. kind of comparison and just points of reference, which is really interesting. And this, those of you that are unaware or maybe um, you know that was the year that I got into football and so those of you that may have gotten into football after that or uh, may not remember that 2011 Alabama defense was like prolific it was it was absolutely incredible um, and this Georgia defense per many of six of the seven uh, efficiency metrics for FEI uh, this Georgia defense is outpacing by leaps and bounds in six of the seven metrics um, mm-hmm. which I think is just absolutely bonkers like for instance points per drive that alabama defense that did go in to win the national championship 12 and 1 uh they allowed 0.51 points per drive georgia's allowing 0.16 available yards uh percentage uh, 18.5 for alabama 16.2 for georgia um, i won't go down every single one of these but the the other few that are are pretty much kind of shattering those are the the touchdown percentage for alabama 4.8 percent to georgia's zero percent and this is adjusted for garbage <laughs> time it takes garbage time out of it as well uh mm-hmm. value drive percentage 10.5 for alabama georgia 6.7 um just it's the this article this is a subjective one potentially uh we don't know yet uh the headline is georgia defense is best ever and then in parentheses so far and so i people are getting real bullish on georgia right now <laughs> and i as much as i love it i am also i've said before not a superstitious man but i am a stitious man and I need everybody to chill the fuck out. That's all I'm saying. Let's calm down for two seconds. It's very exciting. I love the stats, but let's chill. Um, I uh, can I can I rant for a second? Yes, please go right ahead. I love to Munson, and nobody who's ever watched a game with me will doubt it. The last time I think Justin watched a game with me, I basically couldn't eat for the entire day all the way through the game until the game was over. I'm a nervous person by nature. And in particular, when it comes to football games, I am locked into the degree that is just unsettling. So look, however you, wherever you are in your mental health walk, wherever you need to be, you feel fine to be there. I'm not yelling at anybody for their picadillos. Totally fine. But 
And I'm not yelling at Justin either because I get it. Like, it's a little weird for people to be talking about Georgia positively. But you cannot, not you cannot. To me, it seems incongruous and inconsistent to say, hey, like, let's apply these, you know, advanced analytic filters to this game so we can make more sense of the game and then ignore the thing that would make Mm -hmm. you happy. Right. Because. And this is not, I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not pointing this at Justin. I'm really more pointing this at like just UGA Twitter writ large, right? I'm mm-hmm. not pointing at any one person. But what I would point out is if the concern is, oh, I'll like this team too much. And then when it all falls apart, it'll hurt even more. Let me just tell you from experience as someone who was there for the 2012 SEC championship, I was there for second and 26. I was there for the Rose Bowl win. I was there for to the to the live for the Liberty Bowl loss to UCF. I've seen the full gamut of modern UJ football. And let me tell you that it doesn't matter how much your hopes get up, it still sucks when you lose. So mm-hmm. you might as well just get on ride. Get on the <laughs> ride. This is the best UGA football team that I have been that has been on the field since I've started following since I started following UGA football in 2006. And it's really not particularly close. This is mm-hmm. a historically good defense. If we lose to Auburn or Charleston Southern or Georgia Tech, it's going to suck no matter how excited we are. So I think it's okay to say that if this team can get healthy, they kind of should win the national title. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, we're not looking at a perfect game yet, but we're like four innings in and nobody's hit the ball yet. Mm -hmm. And so like, sure, it totally makes sense. When a pitcher perfect pitches a perfect game, you leave him alone in the dugout. You don't talk about it. You don't say it out loud. And God knows if we get to eight, if we, if we beat Florida, you will not hear me say a peep about this shit. Mm -hmm. But I want to say before we get too far into this season, it's going to suck no matter what happens if we lose. Oh, for for sure. Yeah. So you might as well just like get on board. This is a (laughs) team like, like if you are a UGA fan and you are long suffering, don't walk away. There, because this could be the year, and we and everyone's always like, "Oh, UGA fans say this could be the year every year." I don't. I didn't think it was the year 2017 when we went to the national title and shit. I didn't think we were going to beat Bama, and then we didn't, and it sucked. But it wouldn't have sucked anymore if I thought we were going to beat Bama by 35 points, right? Mm-hmm. Just get on board, ride the wave. Like let's let's <laughs> fucking go, guys. Like let's 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 look at the let's look at what the numbers tell us the numbers tell us that this should be a 12 to 14 point win mm-hmm. and if it's not it's gonna suck that's correct and look and i will be there on monday at school yelling at my students about things i shouldn't if we lose to the sovereign team but it's okay to say we think they're gonna beat that ass oh yeah so <laughs> anyway Nathan's ready. i had to get that off my chest you gotta this is the yeah. times like we gotta take everything you just said and bottle it up because that doesn't i feel like that doesn't happen often of, of you being like yeah this is it this is the one this is very good let me gas it up uh it's usually look, the other way around look, here's the thing i uga might not win the national title this year and if they don't i don't think they have i don't think there's any such thing as like you have to win it this year when you have when you built the program that kirby has built right kirby's program is predicated on the philosophy that if you crew a lot of talent you get a lot of really good staff and you get out of the way, which he's finally done, that good things will happen. So we don't want to get resorts-oriented, right? There's that mm-hmm. thing from Magic the Gathering and from professional poker called Roddy, like resorts-oriented thinking. We don't want to get resorts-oriented in the sense that we don't want to say like, <laughs> oh, well, we shouldn't ever be hopeful because this one time it went wrong. We want to be process-oriented. And what I'm saying is this has been the right process since 2015, and we have finally like 
fix the inefficiencies in the process, which is to say we have a good offensive coordinator, right? So like, yeah, sometimes good shit happens when you do good shit and you shouldn't be upset or like, like doubtful that it's going to happen when the process that you put out that was to the best of your knowledge, the right process produces the correct result, right? So yeah, maybe it's our year, maybe it's not, but like, look, when I was in college, right? I mean, shit, not even me. Like people who are in college for the Ray Goff years, right? There are people who are in band who went to one bowl, one Gator Bowl. And that was like a big deal for them at UGA, right? Like when I was in college, we went to the Capital One Bowl and we were like, oh man, this is high living. Going to Orlando? We're going to go to Universal Studios, right? Like I'm not saying we're spoiled. I'm just saying like, this is it. Like we are, this is the moment for UGA football. Let's all just like enjoy this shit, man. Mm-hmm. I will say this is I have never had more fun just watching a defense. Like sometimes defenses are are good and it's just boring, but this is a defense that's just fun to watch. <laughs> I yeah. I think I enjoy watching the defense more than I watch the offense, which is not typical. Yeah. yeah. Look, and here's the thing. This this team could fall apart because of injuries. We could have any number of things happen. But you are absolutely right. I don't think I have ever had more fun watching a unit play than this defense. Mm-hmm. Because it is like uh, Spencer Hall said this, I think, in the Vanderbilt game. And I haven't gotten past it, but it's like, this defense is like what happens when you throw a tennis ball into the middle of a crowded dog park. It is just a bunch of dudes who are aberrantly big and aberrantly fast running at the football. It's 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 poetry. All right, let's talk about things we want to see. I'm, right. I gotta stop ranting. <laughs> uh, the things... I, I guess it, my thing I want to see is more of a question for you. I, I want to ask you just based on everything we just went through with the stats, how successful, because I expect to see something pretty similar to last week with, with the announcement of, of Stetson most likely starting. Um, how successful will we be using such a similar game plan? And do we expect to see a similar game plan as we did last week? Is it going to be a lot more handing off? Is it going to be 10 successful passes? What are you, what are you kind of expecting to see in that regard? Uh, I think I think we're gonna throw the ball more. I think this is a run defense that's good enough to actually keep us honest. They're not gonna play three down linemen, and they're gonna adjust. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna probably rely a lot more on. I think one of the things that I said that I want to see is we're gonna attack the middle of the field. Yeah. Uh, Owen Papo and oh goodness, I, I'm sorry, I, their other inside linebacker have is has slipped my mind, but they have some very good run support sa- safety. Spoke Bowie. Owen Papo is a linebacker who plays really good in, in the run. Mm-hmm. Not hundred percent though. Their linebacker. He's not. Yeah. I don't know that their linebackers are quite the the liability and pass that Arkansas's the Arkansas's are, but I do think that we can exploit the middle of the field on these guys. And I think that Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington are gonna be an important part of that. I think that you have a mismatch against every team, but I think in particular, if you have a team who knows you want to run and they know that their strength is the run defense, that is a I think that is a really good point of friction, right? They know what you what they know you know what they think you're gonna do. And you know what they think they're good at. So, right, I think you can plan around that by attacking the middle of the field on play action, even if it's not hard play action on just like little play action looks on RPOs. Um, I I think the game plan is basically going to be, I think we're going to see some of the Clemson game plan again, right? Which is to say, get the ball out quick. You know, I think we're going to take some shots downfield. We're going to work the middle of the field. We're going to just try to get the ball down the field efficiently and then hit the long pass once we've established that a little bit. Um, this is not a team that has any particular weakness, like in explosiveness. They are the 42nd ranked uh, success rate 
defense in the nation. So, you know, they, they're okay at, uh, at defending, you know, efficiency and offenses. And they are the ninth ranked explosiveness defense in the nation. So they've been pretty good at limiting the big play. And I think we might just like thousand cut them to death. I think you're going to see some of that tight end screen action. I think you're going to see some ways to get the running game to be a little bit more creative. So whether that's like, you know, the option from Stetson Bennett or whether that's more of the jet motion stuff from Brock Bowers and Len McConkie, mm-hmm. uh, I think Kyrus Jackson might play a little bit bigger role as just a guy who can. I think you're going to see a lot of Karis Jackson receptions in this game where he just like runs to the yellow line where the first down is turns around and catches the ball. Right. Mm. And so uh, the, I think the plan is going to be ironically sort of like a sort of a Mike Bobo game plan where it's like establish the run as much as you can take this, take the pressure off of the run with some intermediate passing, especially in the middle of the field and then take a deep shot once or twice. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're Bobo, I think the plan is you got to hit some deep shots. And you got to rely on Bo Nix to keep the ball alive long enough to hit those deep shots, basically. Yeah, that's true. We, I mean, I, I think we absolutely like against this this run defense. This run defense is better than than any we've we've faced so far. If you want to count Clemson still, and well, I, I think they might they might not be better than Clemson, but yeah, they're they're, they're quite good. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because I, I only say if you want to count Clemson, not based on stats, just based on Clemson's having a, a, a real weird voodoo year. They're being more affected by the the CFB voodoo than than most teams are right now. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think if, if we want to see a successful Stetson, they know that that's in a way that is the the chink in our armor in a way as far as our offense is concerned. And so getting Stetson to throw, he's pretty consistently thrown, I believe, one interception in most of the games that he has mm-hmm. played in. Um barring last week uh and so getting him to throw those weird passes getting him to throw into into coverage is going to be their 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 one shot i feel and so we have to get the running game started just as you said we have to continue to, to run 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 and and make sure that 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 works for us because that is going to be the key to actually um keeping our options open i, I would say for sure um so what are some over-unders you have for me you want to talk to me a little bit more about what this game may look like through over-unders yeah, I'm sorry. I was just thinking about how much I hate Nick Fairley, and it like blotted every thought out of my head. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. God, I hate these. You know, I checked Aaron Murray the day after the Nick, uh, his first class after the Nick Fairley game, and that dude had like a neck. He looked like he looked like Bobby Petrino <laughs> after the the motorcycle accident. He had like a huge neck brace and a sling and he had like ice bags wrapped around. He looked like one of those dudes in a motion capture suit. He had like ice bag balls wrapped around every joint. Anyway. All right. Over under. Let's do our over unders. Let's talk about how this game is going to look. Over under. Over under one and a half Bo Nix interceptions. Uh, I'll say under. Um, I think one is fine. I don't know if they, I don't know. This is the thing. This is why I say under though, is that I don't know how long Bo Nix lasts in this game. <laughs> if he's going to throw oh. enough interceptions. <laughs> oh, damn. I just think that, yeah, I think they, they might, I think, I feel like they have to mix it up. I think they have to try um, backup quarterbacks. They have to mix it up a little bit. Does Bo Nix play the entire game? I don't think so. Just based on the fact that he got benched at Georgia state, dude. Um, that's all. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Uh, over under Georgia three and a half punts. Uh, it's an away game. I think we're going to probably be a little bit more conservative. I'm going to say over 
but I think it's probably like four. Yeah, I'll say under to be. God, I haven't subversive. been. I haven't been that ang. I haven't been that angry about like a Georgia related thing in a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. <laughs> Give me over under forty seven points scored, which I think is I believe is the over under right now. I think you're right. I think it's under. I think, and and I'll tell you in a second why with my prediction. What about you? Okay, I'll say under two. Okay, and I will explain in my prediction. You got any okay. more? I have an I have an EPA one, and I, I want to understand. I want to think about this a little bit. Like I want to maybe okay. maybe we do this. This, this is, is a like a way to un- over under. Um, All right. Because what I'm most interested about is that the fact that Auburn won the Georgia State game, 34 to 24. Um. With an EPA, a total EPA of negative 2.22, and they still beat Georgia State by 10 points. And for the majority of the game, probably like 80% of the game, I believe, they were they had a positive win probability, positive above 50%. And so I want to know, working with you, what would be a competitive over-under to try and uh, predict what Auburn's over uh, EPA would be, total EPA for this game? Uh, yeah, so I think... One of the ways we can do this is we just go to game on paper and we mm-hmm. look at, let's look at a game from last week. So yeah, so we got the, the we Auburn look, LSU game, for instance. Okay, sure. Auburn, what is, yeah. that was. They had a so, total EPA was 6.18 and it was brought okay. down considerably because they're special teams. Negative 5.7. What was LSU's, what was LSU's total EPA? Total EPA negative 2.82. Lost the game by just the five points near the end of the game. That was another game that looked like LSU, 80% of the game, was winning the game. And it looks like yes. the fact that their, their their offense just kind of fell apart. The wheels fell off near the end. So I think I think if we're thinking about EPA uh, and we're thinking of like making an over-under prediction, I think we have to think more about like the EPA gap. So I'll give you a good example. Like So uh, Kentucky-Florida last week, seven-point game, Kentucky, right? Uh, Kentucky had a negative 12 epa total and uh florida had a negative eight epa total so florida actually had a more productive day per estimated points added but they lost just in some like key spots and moments like for instance florida had negative six points uh worth of penalty epa uh negative four points worth of offensive or offensive epa so i think it's a lot about the gap Uh, you know if i'm looking back i'm gonna try to just like real quick let me just pull up okay so (laughs) this is (laughs) Absolutely buck wild. So if we're talking about setting a realistic EPA over under, uh, I think one of the things we have to keep in mind is that to this point in the season, UJ has not allowed an opponent to have a, a total positive EPA on the game. Mm. So that's very good. Uh, ver- yeah, versus Clemson, Clemson had negative twenty five points EPA. Uh, UAB had negative twenty seven. Uh, USC at negative twenty five and twenty seven. Wait, what? What stat yeah. is this? Negative. It's it's total EPA negative twenty four, negative twenty five, negative twenty seven for UJ's opponents. Good God. Uh, Vanderbilt Vanderbilt had negative forty three uh, EPA total on the on the year or on the game. And let's see, Arkansas had negative twenty four. Now that's that's total EPA, which counts in penalties and special teams, right? So yeah, it's yeah, points yeah. added just like by every time you snap the ball. How many points are you adding or subtracting from? your your estimated score right so if we just look at offensive epa right so because i, I kind of think that's what you're asking about is like yeah are you asking about offensive or total total for auburn okay so offensive epa 
on the year for UGA's opponents. Clemson, negative 32. Uh, let's see, UAB, negative 24. Uh, South Carolina, negative 13. Hey, not bad, South Carolina. Scored hey, that touchdown. Hey, you go. Good for you. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Vanderbilt, negative 24 just from the for, just from the offense. Uh, let's see. And then the Hogs had the best showing on the year at negative 9.52. The, so the best showing on the year. <laughs> was, yeah, best showing this year for a UGA appointment. So it's like, so if we take those those pieces of data where it's like net total net EPA is on the whole when you snap the ball, how many points are you adding or subtracting from what we expect your score to be, mm-hmm. right? So if we expect you to score twenty four points at the beginning of the game or whatever, how much are you moving that expected score up and down, right? So we've established two things: one, UGA's opponents have always had negative po- negative EPAs on the game collectively when we count defense, offense, and special teams, and two that a UG opponent has never mustered a positive EPA performance against this UG, uh, UJ offense. Mm-hmm. You with me so far? Oh, yeah. All right. So if we take that and we look at our FEI or our SP plus ratings. So if we look at the ratings of UJ's opponents this year, this is just how the sausage gets made. So I'm sorry. Um, if we look at the ratings of UJ's opponents to this year in terms of their offense, right? So we have... <sighs> Let's just use FEI. So Clemson, 46th ranked offense. Auburn, 26th ranked offense. This is as of today, after mm-hmm. UGA did what they did to them. Uh, Arkansas is the 50th ranked offense. UAB is the 95th ranked offense. South Carolina is the 112th ranked offense. And Jesus Christ, let's see what Vanderbilt is. 103rd. Oh, God, South Carolina. That's better than I thought. Worse on, worse on, worse on FEI. So per FEI, which is only one stat, we could look at SP plus, but per FEI, this is the most functional offense UGA has played. So I think really the over under should be just like 0.01 positive EPA, right? I think that's the question is, can, mm-hmm. can Auburn muster a net total positive EPA in any way? Yeah, I don't think they do, my dude. I don't think because in order for that to happen, they it, the game needs to look a lot closer than I think it is going to be. And I don't so, think that that's a world in which we live. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's the case. At yeah. All. I mean, Especially, if we look yeah, at. Like, go ahead. If we look at UGA's. UGA had negative 14 uh, offensive EPA or negative 12 offensive EPA uh, against Clemson. Let's see. Uh, 9.63 positive against UAB, 10.7 mm-hmm. against South Carolina, uh, 14.8 offensive EPA against Vanderbilt, and then 11.11 against Arkansas. So my thing is, like, I don't think there's any way that, that they get to net positive because even if they have the best offensive showing against uh, of any UG opponent to this year, right? So they, like, actually score a touchdown not in garbage time they mm-hmm. somehow muster a very slight positive epa this this offense from auburn or this defense from auburn does not have you know is is good but i don't think that they are enough to also make uga's epa negative to the point where they would come out as a net positive does that make yeah. sense oh yeah it does yeah so, yeah so I, to me the over under would be just like do they have positive so yeah EPA? over under 0.00, 0. <laughs> yeah really that's what it is <laughs> total yeah 0.00 yeah uh and i think that it's easy to say under but 
Man, that's yeah. I guess that's kind of anticlimactic, but it was. Fu- it is fun to see kind of how the sausage does get made and kind of talk that through. Just you know, one thing that is consistent against across most of these games is that Georgia has a total EPA of right around eleven, which means that we are we're, we're doing, and it's all because of offense mostly. It's it's our our offense is performing a lot better than the stats expect it to, um, other than the Clemson game. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I guess yeah, the the question comes down to Auburn zero point zero zero. Uh, over under. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say under as well. Yeah, I'm I, I think under. I think we, I think we might beat this team's ass, and yeah, I and I, I think too. we might, I think we might beat this team's ass in a way where it's like we only win by 13 points, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel competitive. No, it does not. What's uh, what's another over under you got for me? Uh, my last over and under on the day is over under UGA three and a half sacks. Oh, I think it's over. I think we're bringing the pain. Yeah, I, you know, Bonix is like size wise and sort of like just general makeup as a quarterback. He should be pretty hard to sack. He just holds the damn ball so much. So long. 3.5 might be high, but still. And I really just want to watch Jordan Davis chase Bonix around the backfield. Yeah, that, that sounds really good. I mean, I'm very excited about right. that. All right, let's talk about our predictions. UGA, yep. UGA is currently a 15 and a half point favorite. Uh, so paint me a beautiful word picture, Justin. Oh, it's it's gonna be a painful picture, just painted in blood and uh, just the tears of our our our, it's eight, like a, our enemies a, from the west, really. Our Do Hieronymus what? Bosch painting, just Very like a Hieronymus so. Bosch painting, Garden of Earthly Delights. I'm gonna just, I mean, this is the thing, dude. This team has played Auburn. This team. Auburn up to this point has just kind of been back and forth and back and forth. And you're right. Like we've talked through it. Weirder things have happened. Auburn could win this weekend and we'd be like, well, huh, that, that fucking sucks. Um, and that would be it. But I, I just don't foresee that being the case, you know, based on just looking across the season for both these teams over EPA. I think this game is, is one through the established Georgia run game. Um, I think they're going to run, and run and run and totally wear out this Auburn run D, which is supposed to be the strongest point of this team. And so let's just hit them where they think they're strongest, which is going to be very interesting to see. Uh, I don't think we give them a touchdown. I do think they get perhaps if they're lucky, EPS is otherwise that they will not get a field goal. They might get a field goal. But uh, my overall prediction is Georgia 38, Auburn three. Bold. <laughs> very that's bold. bold that's a big big bold. put some hot sauce on that one get yeah, some man. english on it we'll see what happens i think tell me this tell is me what you see where i think this is a game where uga has some struggles on offense i think um like you said stat is good for one dumb pick and i think that dumb pick might lead to a touchdown like seriously like i think it might be a short field put touchdown off a pick or a pick six or something uh but i think that ultimately uga is just just their defense is going to travel I don't see them giving up a lot of easy points. I think this is a game where UGA doesn't cover, uh, but I think it feels like about a 10 to 14 point win to me. And I'm erring on the high side of that because I really think that that, that this offense has a lot of weapons, just even with Stetson Bennett. I think that the ceiling of this offense is obviously lower without JT Daniels, but I don't think that it's so low that we're going to score like 10 points. I'm going to say Auburn 27, or sorry, UGA 27, Auburn 13. Feels like about a two touchdown game for me. Mm. Okay. I mean, it could go either way, man. That's kind of how I feel about it, too. But I went big. I hope it pays off. 
I, I, I respect the balls on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's get into our favorite uh, segment of the show. It's Ask CBC. If you have a question, be sure to get them out to us through Twitter, Gmail, pieces of paper in Nathan's pocket. Uh, not when he's at home. If he wakes up Sunday morning and there's a piece of paper in his pocket with a question, we will have, uh, you know, bigger problems, I think, really, truly. My first question, though, it comes from me. I wanted to ask you, which head coach do you believe will be the next U.S. senator? (laughs) The next U.S. senator head coach, you know, much like Tommy Tuberville. Who do you expect to run for office next? So it, it has to be someone that's either bad like Tommy Tuberville, like a mm-hmm. bad head coach, or someone who seems like they like you know want more out of their lives than football. The problem is there aren't many of the second, right? Yeah, I don't think the second so, one exists like, as much. The 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 problem is like your first answers are like somebody real charismatic who's younger, so like Dabo, Kirby, yeah. Lincoln Riley. Uh, but I just don't think that those guys really a give a shit about politics or b like want to have a second act. Most mm-hmm. of those guys just like. They're going to go retire to their lake house at like 80, right? Probably. Um, I, I could totally see Dabo Swinney running for office. Like, Yeah, I mean, I could, but it's like, I think by the time he leaves Clemson, he's going to be so old that he'll just rather sit around. Maybe. So, we'll see what happens, yeah. So that that's... So I'm trying to think, who's bad? Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, it's, it's Edo, right? Is it? he would be great yeah i think here's the thing like he would he would he it would have to not be re- now right it would have to be yeah. like in like 10 years because he's not getting elected right now because he's about to get fired right so he'd yeah. have to like leave and then come back to louisiana he needs to become relevant again yeah well he needs to like have the hatred like lower down to a simmer I really love the idea of Ed Odron like delivering any sort of speech or like filibustering. It'd be- yeah, honestly, that's probably like <laughs> I know that that's not true. I know that that's not true, but it's like I'm trying to incept it into the world. Uh huh. I just want to see it happen. I don't know his politics. They might not be great. I just want to see him do it. I want to see the man talk about mm, gumbo. Based on, on what floor. we know about how he's gonna, uh, based on how what we know about how he's run like his program, I'm gonna go ahead and say, you know. <laughs> um. <laughs> Probably, probably wouldn't agree probably on things. Somewhat, somewhat problematic, yeah. Yeah. Okay, first question, first actual question. Christy in London. Uh, so Christy asks, I wonder if any of our backup quarterbacks could play other positions for us rather than go and play quarterback elsewhere. Similar question, Stetson been at the fourth, maybe too small to be a pro quarterback, but could he make it as a pro in another position? Um, no. <laughs> no to the second question. Uh, uh-huh. I I mean, I think Brock Vandegrift is a really good runner. He could probably play tight end if we had if he had to, but obviously we don't need him to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson Beck's pretty athletic, so he could probably play like possession receiver or something. Yeah. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't think really any of them are that like skill position ridiculous. You know. Yeah. Dan Lanning's salary is due to raise to one point seven five million next season if UJ does not offer him a better deal. Given that the highest paid DCs in college football currently earn two and a half million and over under. Dan Lanning's salary next year is over under three point one million. That's a lot of money. I'm gonna say under because I think that he might go to three, but I also think there's a pretty good chance that he's a head coach somewhere next year. Yeah, I hate to say it. I hate to hear it. Even it'd be a real yeah. bummer. Next question comes from Stephen. Which team will be the next to score a TD on this defense? I think you predicted it's Auburn. I think it's. I think it's Auburn. Yeah, personally. I hate that. Is it a pass or a rush? Probably a pass. Yeah, some dumb pass or an interception, you said? 
You think a pick six? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like, I think either a pick six or... But that wouldn't be on the defense, right? So I think yeah. probably, like, a short field touchdown or, like, a long bomb. Like, a weird, mm-hmm. like, funky Bonix play. <laughs> funky Bonix play. Second question is actually a follow-up. Which team will score a non-garbage time TD? I mean, Auburn, based on your the things that I put mm-hmm. in. But... That you're, yeah, you're saying, yeah. And... Which team will be the first to score I, two touchdowns on this defense? We can keep going with this one. <laughs> I think probably Florida. Really? Florida's got a pretty good run. Florida's got a pretty good run game. I could see them like, you know, punching in from the one or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Drewski. I think we're going to beat Florida for the record, but I just oh, I think they'll probably score a little bit. Drewski asks, what was the biggest factor in UJ's run game being more dominant against Arkansas? The return of granddaddy Darnell Washington? Better O-line play, Arkansas's defense playing in dime package, having 56 rushing attempts, something else. Ultimately, is it sustainable going forward? Uh, I think it's all of those. I think it's sustainable in the sense that I think our our run game is going to continue to improve throughout the year. I, I don't think it's sustainable in the sense that we're probably not going to have 56 run run attempts so ever again attempts. this year. So, uh, so, But I do think that Darnell Washington helped. But I think that just outside of him, the exterior blocking got a lot better from the tight ends in particular. I think also a lot of the tinkering that we've been doing with the offensive line has finally kind of gelled a little bit. And you've seen, I think UGA has like a first six or seven now at the Mm -hmm. offensive line that they know who they want to play. And a follow-up question over the years, my dislike for Gus Malzahn grew into something beautiful and appropriate for the deep South Soldiers rivalry. Is there anything in Brian Harson's background that can kickstart my contempt for Auburn's latest head coach? Oh boy. Uh, okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I, I need I'm to Googling stop. It. I need to stop everyone. So I want mm-hmm. you to, I want you to think about yourself right now. <laughs> if you are the kind of person where you think, man, I like Chapa Belker, but that Nathan, he's on thin ice with me. I need you to go ahead and just click, click the like 30 <laughs> second forward button twice. Yep. I'm just going to give you a second. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So first of all, Brian Harson is maybe a Scientologist. He's like a crypto Scientologist. There was like a rumor. He was a Scientologist. He's from Idaho. Well, he played, he's not from Idaho. He's from like Utah, maybe, but, um, same place he did. He was, he was at Boise state for a long time. And Scientology has a huge presence in the mountain Northwest actually for this is very weird, but so a, he's like, might be a Scientologist and he never really, no, he's from Boise. Yeah. He's from Idaho. He's from Boise. So, he never would like confirm or deny that he was a Scientologist, which is weird because it feels like that's the kind of thing that you want to come down pretty clearly on. Yeah. And second, he's like, I would say, I think that he's probably pretty uh, anti-vax, right? Just based on his, uh, his, his actions. But at the very least, he's like abdicated his responsibility as like a leader of men and someone who has like the public's attention during a public health crisis by refusing to tell people if he'd gotten vaccinated and basically, like, implicitly saying that he hadn't and that he didn't think that the research was there. So, like, I personally think he should be fired on those on that account, period. I don't think he's going to be. But I think that in the same sense that, like, as a teacher, I have a personal responsibility to teach my kids ethics through my actions, that when you are the highest paid coach or you're the highest paid public employee in a state that is being ravaged by a pandemic, that it's kind of your fucking job to tell people to get the vaccine for the pandemic. So, yeah, so that that's enough to hate him. And if that's not enough to hate him, it's that like, I mean, he moved from Idaho to Auburn, Alabama, 
in the SEC with basically no SEC ties whatsoever and like totally bought into the like AU all in our family bullshit, <laughs> which is like, it's like, whoa, what a match made in heaven. Fuck that team. Anyway, good all luck right. editing this. <laughs> all right, you you're back ahead, we're back you now. Nathan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're back. Miles asks, would you ever consider teaching an intra-level college statistics class using football and other sports as the basis for the class to make it relatable to students? <laughs> Given that I don't want to teach something that I am not qualified to teach, no. <laughs> I like I like, yeah, given that I went and got a degree in statistics, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's the next that's your your second career. Your your later. I've in life. thought about I've thought about doing something with it, like getting a degree program or something or a certificate. Yeah. Delicato Art. If Bo Nix put all his points into crit, he misses a lot, but once he hits, it's big. Where would you put your points for the UGA defense? If you had time, where would you put points for the team this season? I like this question a lot. So are we answering this question like, where do we think the points are for UGA's offense or like, where would I put them? Well, let's, I think you need to answer the question of where are the points now so that then you can answer where should they go when we level up. UGA's so UGA's defense is the NCAA 14 creative player with like 99s in every stat. Yeah. UGA's defense is like the like your D&D homebrew character that somehow ends up with 18 in every stat at level one. Mm-hmm. That's what UGA's How'd defense How'd you do this? Is. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, UGA's offense is probably like uh, sort of like very, they hit very reliably, right? They like high strength, high dexterity, or maybe high dexterity, right? So they're mm-hmm. very accurate, right? But not uh, they, they don't have a very high crit, like low yeah. damage, high accuracy. They uh-huh. haven't been very explosive on the year, but they've they've been pretty efficient. Yeah. Right. They're just chipping away. So so mm-hmm. what do we what what uh I guess what stat would you want to put this into if you want us to go all the way? What do we need to look forward to? I mean explosiveness. I think yeah. we gotta like we gotta put 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 it into get that damage up. Yeah, get the damage up. SEC dog forever with Georgia's QB situation. When was the last time two quarterbacks had multiple starts and the team won the national title? Is it? It's probably got to be one of those two Jalen Alabama. I think that's the yeah. I mean, two didn't start in the second and twenty six year because he was a backup, right? Yeah, and then but the following Uh, year, uh, he yeah Bryce not Bryce uh, Jalen didn't start either because. I, it's got to be like either one of those Clemson teams where, like, obviously Clemson didn't win the Natty last year, but you know what's his face DJ started a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so got it, yeah, it's got to be an Alabama team. I'm imagining, yeah, yeah. Okay, Nicholas Twiner. I think this is a question we had before, but we can we're revisiting it. SEC teams as craft beers, and why is Florida still Natty Light? <laughs> yeah, Florida's Natty Light. Florida's Natty Light. One hundred. No, actually, no. Since we've answered this question last. Things have changed in the beer world because now we have all of these different seltzers and there is a Bud Light toasted marshmallow seltzer I just saw recently that sounds pretty awful, but people are claiming it's pretty good, which I think is kind of a Florida situation like those like in that description specifically. (laughs) I was going to say that they were like uh, they were Samuel Adams Boston lager because they used to be craft beer, and for like ten minutes in the '90s, they were like really important to the scene. But now mm-hmm. nobody really gives a shit about them. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, well, LSU. I feel like uh, Ole Miss is Terrapin Hops executioner because it's like 
sometimes you open the bottle, it's the best thing you've ever put in your mouth. Sometimes mm-hmm. you open the bottle and it's like, meh, meh, something to be desired here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Quality control issues with uh-huh. old, on old Mrs. Canning line. Uh, let's see. Alabama's I think Alabama is probably like uh, chance or like, like what's like a really solid, like Alabama is probably like something from like, uh, oh shoot, like Sierra Nevada or like Lagunitas or like mm-hmm. one of these just like old school, like I was gonna say you know something I mean? like just a double like, or triple a- IPA because they they hit so hard, like oh the, oh no they're they're Dogfish Head one twenty there it's you like go consistently That's good. consistently great like just dead consistent every time but will absolutely knock you on your ass it, yeah it's Let's very see. well made yeah. Tennessee, I don't want to be mean to crap. The problem is, like, when we're talking about Tennessee, Adva- well, Tennessee beat the crap out of Missouri. So, hey, mm-hmm. Tennessee's when we're talking just about urban. Vanderbilt, it's like, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we're talking about Vanderbilt, it's like, I don't want to be mean to a brewery like that. Like, I don't want to be like, this brewery sucks. Like, Vanderbilt sucks. Well, it's not but like I would that. say, it's like, personality, you know? Okay. So, like, personality wise, I feel like Vanderbilt is going to be, Vanderbilt's got to be something that, like, wants to be wine. It's like a, like a sparkling mead. You know what I yeah, mean? They're a mead. It's like <laughs> this has pretensions of being wine. Yeah. They're yeah. not wine, but they they kind of are acting. They got like, all the all the aspects of it. All the pieces are there still. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh LSU is like something real like stinky. It's like a really yeah, like a really like stinky or like a really uh cloudy high ABV IPA. Mm-hmm. We're like that shit is good, but if I drink like three of these, I'm gonna die. Yeah, I they're have like some uh, kind of poisoning. Oh, they're like that brass monkey stuff. Where you're oh like, yeah! Wow, there's a lot of sugar in that, and it's 12 percent ABV. This hurts. And, me. Oh my god! Yeah, let's see. I think Georgia is just like, like, trop. They're like yeah. competent. You know what I mean? Well made, competent, sort of like relevant. Really good at a lot of stuff. Relevant, right? Yeah. I like All that. Right. The rest don't matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we've just like Mizzou I, we and A and M probably, but yeah, Eric uh, Yeah, A and M. A and M is just like holy water. All right, Eric Gluckman. <laughs> this is a trombone player. Go ATA. What two plays would you call as an OC if you had to choose some Georgia defense beaters that expose their weaknesses? In a similar vein, who's the biggest liability in the starting twenty-two? Oh my god. Um, well. So I guess this isn't a world where I have an offensive line that can block, block Georgia's defensive line for mm-hmm. a second or two. And given that, I would probably try to do some kind of like it would have to be a deep pass because that's the only time, only thing that like people have shown. Georgia plays a lot of man defense and they have a tendency where they'll like let one guy beat them. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. and they just not like that they're they want him to get yards, but that they don't devote as much resources to him. So I feel like, you know. You want to run maybe something where you have like to one side, a little wide receiver screen and you have some run action and you're sort of like rolling out of that into like just a deep shot, because that's kind of the only way that people have shown that they can really get at UGA is to have an offensive line that can block for a couple of seconds. I just throw it deep and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, final segment of the show. It's the James Bearfield troll corner. It's the, been presented to us once more by Cheerwine. It's the wine that gives you diabetes, TM, TM, TM. Question zero. Mm-hmm. Why is everyone saying how great a game Nick's had on LSU? He only completed half his passes and looked like his usual self the first half. That's a real question. Well, because he did a couple of like Johnny Manziel things, right? And people are results oriented. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like very athletic and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if his athleticism is bailing him out for his bad decisions. Yeah. His athletic plays splash so much. It's like his splash plays are so big that it's like, I think Richard Johnson said this this week on some podcast or whatever that it's like, it's not about his splash plays. It's about his ripple plays. His splash yeah. plays are great, but his ripple plays don't do much at all. Question one, better anagram for Bo Nix, box in or inbox? I like inbox. That's good. Cause it's just like, like inbox kind of like hot white guy quarter quarterback it's like <laughs> it's like is like is bo Nix more conventionally attractive than jt daniels absolutely yeah like he looks like the guy who would like ruin your senior summer or whatever you know what i mean like the guy he fall uh-huh. in love, love with over the senior year but then he's like like, like leaves you and kind of ghosts you and like is a pike and it's like i thought we had really good chemistry man and he's like yeah we did but there's all these sorority girls you know that's yeah. what he strikes me as but um He's got it's a not about to us, him, but it, it's more about what I could be doing. Yeah, so it's like he is very conventionally attractive, but there's a, there's a sense in which his hotness is boring. <laughs> JT Daniels, I get it, I get it. He's not like, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but at least he's not boring. Yeah, that's fair. And question he, two: does, Let me Go let ahead. me ask you does does Bo Nix own any formal clothes that are not? Plain single colored button ups and polos with Auburn logos on them. No, I think that man owns so many loafers too, like so many pairs of loafers. Boat shoes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he look he looks pretty plain. He knows this is the thing. This is how I'll spin this positively for Bo Nix. He knows what he likes. It seems. No, I <laughs> I respect. Look, I I do too, I do too, and and I respect the heck out of that. And like, look, this isn't everything to being. A human or being a positive human but i'm sure he's like i'm sure it works you know mm-hmm. i'm sure what he's selling is getting bought so good for him in that sense but anyway question two bonix or Next. black would he be a tight end or still be a qb oh my god you know the answer to this question we already answered Dr. this question Bearfield. all right that's all we got for you folks hit us with the house oh, wow. it, th- it only took us an hour and 30 minutes only. i gotta say i feel like a rare rare rant form Anyway, this has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you like what you heard here today, you can subscribe to our podcast anywhere that you can find a, pod, a fine podcast day of your choice, podcast including day. Apple uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify. If you loved what you heard here today, we would really like it if you would leave us a review. Ooh, if you'd like to support this podcast in a more sort of resource-intensive way, you can spend one whole American dollar $1. to join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Chapel Bell Curve. This will give you access to our very excellent Patreon uh, Discord, which where you will meet a lot of very cool people and make surprisingly heartfelt uh, connections with people who are very weird. If you would like to get in contact with us, with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Chapel Bell Curve, as well as Twitter at Chapel Bell Curve, or you can send us an email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. We actually have been checking it lately, so you can send away. Yeah. We will catch you this weekend in the loveliest village on the plains without a Walmart. But until then, <laughs> go dogs. Go dogs.